Welcome to Monorail Radio Dockside Chat number three. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are hanging out at Dockside Margaritas on a Saturday night at Disney Springs. Very festive. It is June. It is Pride Month. And it is all over Disney Springs. They are really embracing the month. A lot of people are here having a great time. It's great to see. Yeah, this is very cool getting to be here for this celebration. So we are so happy to be here. So happy to be Hanging out at Dockside Margarita. We got a lot of things to talk about tonight. It was funny because before we got here, I remember thinking, we don't have that much to talk about. We got a little, a few dining reviews, but nothing too crazy. And like, as soon as we started lining everything up, we were like, oh no, we got a full slate tonight. Considering I went back home to New York for a visit to see my family and we were two weekends. I was there for two weekends. So that's two weekends removed from Disney Springs. There's a lot to talk about. I'm going to start talking about my seasonal margarita. Uh, Yes, please do. Because I've never tried this one before. I think it's new to the menu. It is a chipotle pineapple margarita. It's delicious. There's a little bit of heat to it. I'm a big fan already. Are you see, now this this seems like a margarita I would not be into. I don't like spice. I don't like heat. And I I couldn't tell what your review initially was because you took a sip of it and I saw a look on your face that I've rarely seen with a margarita. More times than not, it doesn't lead to a good review. So I am pleasantly surprised on your behalf. You bought the drinks tonight, but I'm pleasantly surprised on your behalf that you are very, very happy with your seasonal margarita. Well, the bartender also made it strong, so that was the face. I think for research purposes, you should try it now. Live on air? Yes. Let me have it. Oh, what he uh, won't do for you, listeners. Hang on. It's flavorful. I got to be honest with you. I like it. Huh. I I probably would not order it often, but the sweetness from the pineapple juice, mm-hmm. it cuts through the chipotle. That's a very pleasant surprise. Yeah, I mean, it'll clear your sinuses right up. But it is a very well-balanced margarita. I'm, I'm glad I'm a, you tried it. I'm astonished right now. That's a good sipping margarita. Like, if you're coming down to Dockside with a designated driver, of course, or if you're staying on Disney property to do some damage, this is not the one I would suggest that you get. <laughs> but if you just want one to sip on, that's delightful. I'm really surprised. So am I. All right. Let's get into our talk topics tonight, starting with something we're very excited about. Yes, we are officially three months in. June 7th was three months since we closed on our house, so we finally set up our P.O. box, which means that all of you who entered contests and have been declared the winner of a prize, we are going to get you those prizes in the mail. We promise. Yeah, They're we coming soon. Yes, we got the P.O. box set up, and we've already contacted our T-shirt guy, They're putting the shirts together, so that's all going out soon. But the P.O. Box was the more important part, right? So we're going to throw it out there now because some people did ask, like, how do we contact you otherwise? And so we'll throw the P.O. Box out. It is P.O. Box 111-126, Palm Bay, Florida, 32911. I will put that on the website. I only just learned the numbers myself, so I will get that on our website for you. All right, so now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about something that we were so excited to finally get to. Uh, you know, we we don't, well, I was going to say, 
Ah, uh, the APs. We're gonna okay. We're gonna hold. We're gonna put a pin in that. The, the whole thing that you and I had been discussing since we got here was living life without APs. And it seemed for a time that Dockside was turning into a dining review show, but without having the annual passes, we were sort of limited to come, again, this is not a problem, limited to coming to Disney Springs or dining at hotels. So we were so excited. Part of what's making this fun for us is doing firsts. And we finally got to go to brunch at Steakhouse 71. Everybody has talked about how good it is. Our wonderful wonderful friend, Christina Kay, who's been on the show before. I was going to say, talk about first, dialing it back. We met Christina back in the summer of 2009. She was one of our interns that we hired to the radio station when we were working there on Long Island. And... We bonded over Disney, obviously. Christina and I really bonded because we're yeah. huge Idina Menzel fans. Um, and she has been one of our best friends ever since. And in the 13 years that this friendship is going on, we have always said we have to do Disney together. We have to either plan a trip because we would be leaving Disney, she'd be flying in, or vice versa. And in 13 years, it never happened. But one move later... The stars finally aligned, and she was here on vacation, and we were like, all right, this is happening. This is finally happening. We made sure, we grabbed her from MCO to yes. ensure that we would see her as yes. soon as she hit the ground. We held her hostage. She had no choice <laughs> but to finally see us. So we, we picked her up, and we went to Steakhouse 71 for brunch. Now, look, I am a big fan of Crystal Palace. I like Chef Mickey. Kona Cafe, to me, still reigns supreme. But Steakhouse 71, for its price, for its quality, was a very, very close second to Kona. I was blown away with how good that brunch was. It was excellent. Um, well, first, what was really surprising to me was that the reservation was relatively easy to get. I got it on two weeks' notice for three people. Um, I imagine if your party's a little bit bigger, it's probably a little bit more difficult. But on two weeks' notice, I was able to snag it. Um, I love all of the renovations that they did. We were big fans of the Wave. We had eaten dinner there several times. Uh, we had done the Wave brunch. Um, but it is so bright and airy in that space now. I really love uh, all the work they did in there. And I love all of the... Um, tributes to the park open it's the contemporary like it should reflect the park back because it is a monorail resort it is and you see a lot of walt disney and when i when i say that i don't mean influence i say you literally see a lot of walt disney in steakhouse 71 um and if you love disney for its history you are really going to love the renovations admittedly i was cautiously optimistic because i enjoy the wave so much I, I was not happy when I heard that they were doing a renovation of it, that they were changing the menu, but ultimate, ultimate surprise. I really, really enjoyed it and to the point where we walked out of there and I said, like, I'm ready almost to make another reservation to come back, like, the next weekend. I, I was really, really happy with the meal there. And, this, I mean, the staff is always good, but this was really, like, sometimes... It's weird, like, a lot. so many people have gone and enjoyed it, but, like, sometimes you wonder, can something live up to the hype? Polite Pig was that, for me, until I tried it. 
that's how I felt about Steakhouse 71. And, and speaking on my own behalf, I can tell you it's worth the hype. Oh, it's absolutely uh, worth the hype. To piggyback off of what you said, that Walt is everywhere in this restaurant, it's not just the photographs. I ordered Walt's hash. It is named after the man. Uh, and, I mean, obviously we know he's brilliant, but, like, he really does know what he's doing. Uh, it was delicious. It was like a potato, bacon... Um, it was everything. It was just all the breakfast. Yeah, it was. It was like a garbage plate with a fried egg on top, but it was so good. It's probably one of my favorite meals on property. I like it as much as Kona. And I think for the three of us to have breakfast, and I had the bottomless mimosa, you, you each had a drink as well. Oh, I, my God. I had the, uh, it was a coffee bourbon drink, and I'll never be the same. But the bill was under $100. Yeah, it really wasn't bad. So well, we used Christina's AP discount. Right. But it, was still, it was still moderately priced. For what it is, when you hear steakhouse, you're going to think it's expensive. It was moderately priced for a steakhouse. I can't speak to dinner, but we will definitely be back to try a dinner. Yeah, and uh, you want to talk about a good use of an AP discount. Ooh, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> she, she knows how to use that at the Marketplace, at World of Disney, at Boutique, at everything, at, at Gurgi's Munchies and Crunchies. She, <laughs> she will find, if there's a place for a discount, she'll sniff it out and she will use it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could only imagine up until that point what shopping with her was like. It was completely different to experience. You, I felt bad for you because you had to keep an eye on both of us. Not that I was like going crazy spending, but I was so excited to see things just feeding off of her excitement. Folks, I, I got <laughs> at one point I literally yelled out in the store, <laughs> I didn't know it was my job to keep an eye on you two because I couldn't find them. And this is not World of Disney we're talking about. It's the Marketplace Co-op. There are only so many places two people can hide. And they won the hide-and-go-seek challenge that day. Spoiler alert, we were in the Dooney section. If you ever lose us, that is where to find us. But we were excited to see Christina, and I think we're going to be seeing her again in September because my understanding is that she is going to Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween the same day that we got our tickets, finally, for Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Oh, I'm I'm so hesitant to get very excited because the last time we bought these tickets was at the beginning of 2020, and I, I just don't want to jinx anything. But the funny part of, of purchasing not-so-scary tickets, we got them, and I looked at Sean, and I said, what if, what if this is the first time we are in the parks as locals. Do you think that's going to happen? Are we really waiting to October to go to the parks? Or end of September, October. And we had said during our last Dockside chat that we were starting to cave and we were starting to reconsider. And in typical Disney fashion, because... In typical you and me fashion. Because this is what they want to hear. The mouse won. <laughs> the mouse won again. Um, so... Jackie and I typically do not have a mutual day off, full day off, uh, during the week together, Monday through Friday. So right now, the only AP for sale is the Pixie Dust Pass, which is the Monday through Friday AP. 
Right, and we didn't think that that was worth it because I don't get out of work until 7 o'clock. And if we lived a little bit closer to Disney, within like a half hour, it would have been worth it for us to do. But being that we're over an hour away, we'd really be catching the tail end of the night at the parks, and we just didn't see the value in buying that particular pass. But... Like most things you do at Disney when you go shopping, you find ways to justify it. Well, you made a very compelling argument that because we've been utilizing Disney Springs and the hotels so much, if we were to buy the AP, even if we only got to the parks a couple of times, because we also kept thinking it was within the calendar year, it's June. We have until next June to make it worth our while. So we figured if we got to the parks three times between now and the end of the year, with the discounts, it would be worth it to do the Pixie Pass. And because I have a company holiday coming up, we are off on uh, Monday the 20th in observance of Juneteenth the day before. Uh, We were talking about doing a park day, and we figured, oh, the hell with it. Let's just get our APs. Yeah, so... As of today, we literally went to guest services. It was the first thing we did when we got to Disney Springs. Mickey wins. Sean and Jackie are annual pass holders at Walt Disney World. And look, I'm, I'm so excited for that. But we said, we have that one day that we know we're going to go together because we have the day off. So we know we're going to go to Epcot that day because we want to see Flower and Garden. We want to do Guardians. We want to go to World Showcase. That gives us literally an entire year because something worth noting, and I didn't realize this, your AP, when I looked on my app, it said the expiration was in the year 2099, and I thought, this is too good to be true. (laughs) That's because your renewal date doesn't start until you swipe the pass for the first time. So our pass, while active for discounts, technically does not activate until the 20th of June. So we have until June 20th, 2023 to go to the parks two more times. We know that we're going to have mutual days off in the next calendar, you know, in the next 12 months outside of this, so we could justify it. Plus, once you tack on the Florida resident price for a one-day ticket and the cost of splitting parking, you're roughly a third of the way to the annual pass. So if you have the pass and you go a couple of more times and you are dining and you are going shopping at Disney Springs, we're able to justify it like immediately. Or even just doing things, you know, there have been a couple of experiences that we wanted to try as locals. I really want to do the trek through Animal Kingdom. Um, I want to do the Keys to the Kingdom tour. So on those two things alone, even if we were to do them on weekends and pay full price for the admission um, and whatever the tour costs, you're getting the parking because we have the annual pass. So that was really what we had to figure out for ourselves is where is the value in it. And we found it, so we got them. And now when there's a pass that better fits our work schedule, we can just upgrade to that next year. Hopefully right. one that we can utilize over the weekends a little bit more. Or not. We could just get screwed if they change everything up again. Who knows? Well, this was the other thing. After the magic keys were suspended, 
we had said, what happens if they suspend pixie dust? Then we have nothing, because the worst thing that could happen is that we sit here spending full price at World of Disney, spending full price at the restaurants, and then we end up paying out of pocket for that one day at Epcot anyway. We pulled the trigger, no regrets, I'm happy about it, and when the new, when the other APs get unlocked, hopefully by the fall, we're just gonna upgrade and then we're in. But, but if worse comes to worse, if they suspend the sale of APs again, we know that we're in. We know that we're in. Yeah, so next Dockside Chat, you guys are gonna get an earful. Yes, all right. Um, Speaking of an earful, we had a mouthful before we came here tonight to record this show because after we went to guest services, we went to Enzo's Hideaway to have dinner. Now, for those who may remember, when you listened to our November 2021 trip report, we did not have the kindest things to say about Maria and Enzo's because we didn't actually get to eat at Maria and Enzo's. Right. The menu that was posted on my Disney experience was not the menu that they were offering. And... Even for me, who is a full-blooded Italian, I wasn't loving the menu. I'm not a fan of, like, the real rusticy dishes, and that's what they had. It wasn't, like, there was a carbonara you wanted to try. Yeah, and it wasn't there. Uh, I think there was, like, a pumpkin ravioli that was supposed to be on the menu for fall, and none of that was there. Um, so before we got too far along and even ordered drinks or anything, we just figured we would cut the loss. And I think we ended up going to Polite Pig we that night. We were at Polite Pig. We talked to Dave. Yes, which is fantastic. Polite Pig is always fantastic. But uh, we had been wanting to try Enzo's Hideaway. Um, just on concept alone, it's so cool. For those that are not familiar, it is sort of a hidden bar, kind of like Trader Sam's was hidden. And now everybody knows about it. So you can make a reservation for it. Um, it's just so cool. I, I love the idea of the speakeasy in a tunnel taken over by an Italian family making authentic food. It's a great story, classic Disney storytelling in there. Uh, I love the style. I love the decor. What I was really surprised about, though, is how big it actually is. When you hear speakeasy, I thought it was going to be a bar and a couple of, like, bistro tables. It seats 200 people. It's pretty big in there. Yeah, and I think originally the concept for that place was that it was a late-night menu, it was lounge food. I remember it was a lot of appetizers. I remember, if I remember correctly, and I'm almost certain of this, they had, like, chicken parm sliders. What's interesting about the menu now is they still have some of those items, and it's not quite the full menu that you get at Maria and Enzo's, although I couldn't tell you what the full menu is because it's not right on the website. Um, but it is a large menu where you can get three full courses. Um, so if you were ever on the fence about going and you thought, maybe I don't, maybe I don't want a nosh, maybe I don't want appetizers, maybe I do want a full sit-down meal, you will be able to get it at Enzo's Hideaway. And please correct us if we're wrong, because we really thought it was just an appetizer menu when it first opened. I don't know if and when it changed, but I'm I'm really curious. We asked a cast member, and she was still pretty new, uh, so she wasn't sure uh, if it had ever been, you know, more of like a smaller, more limited menu. Um, but I'm I'm interested to know. Um, regardless of the size of the menu, the food is excellent. Uh, we got the calamari, which is like. Some of the most top-tier calamari I've ever had in my life. And we have had our, our fair share of calamari. Oh, yeah. 
Um, that was awesome. I had to try the meatballs. That is like the thing to get. They have ricotta on them, uh, which like got so hot it like melted and it almost made it like a um, like a vodka sauce. It got so light because the cheese had melted in. Uh, they were absolutely delicious. You're not really a meatball fan. And much like this margarita that you sampled, you tried the meatball and you liked it. I don't like meatballs. I don't understand the concept of a meatball. If I'm going to eat a meatball, I'm going to eat a smash burger. But with that being said, uh, this was absolutely delicious. It was juicy. It had an, a ton of flavor. It had a great consistency. And you're right. When the ricotta melted into the sauce, it did make it like a vodka sauce. So rich, so creamy. It was so delicious. And I ordered the chicken Caesar salad. What I did not expect... The ciabatta croutons, you know, it's, it's a Caesar salad. You think you're getting croutons. It was basically just crumbled ciabatta bread. It's almost like if you took ciabatta bread and made it into panko, which I didn't think I was going to be into. But what I loved about it was you literally got a breaded coating on every bite of salad that you had. The dressing was excellent. The chicken, it is a chicken breast, and they give you the full breast was so juicy and so tender. It had to be marinated because there's no way that just a, a straight chicken breast could be that juicy. It's an inherently dry meat. It's nowhere near the bone. It doesn't have any fat. This, my mouth is watering thinking about it right now. Like, I could go get another one, and it was huge. It was massive. It was probably, I'd put it in the top three best chicken Caesars I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, it's a Caesar salad, right? How many ways can you reinvent the wheel? It's more, a Caesar salad is more noticeable if you mess it up. So to have something that's so good and so elevated, it really needs to stand out. And this did, like I tasted yours, the dressing was so light. It, it was like the perfect summer Caesar salad. It wasn't heavy. It was, you could taste the citrus. Like it, it was just so good. And the portions, like you said, are huge. Not just the salad. Uh, there were three meatballs. Okay, fine. That was a boatload of calamari. It was a lot. It was um, a lot. And the wine menu, they, they had such great selections on there. Worth noting, though, some of the wines you can only get by the bottle and not by the glass. It's not uh, one for one. Right. I was surprised. Um, and the other thing with this salad was it wasn't just like, gr like grated Parmesan cheese. This was like shredded. So you got like thick shreds of delicious Parmesan cheese. It was really, really good. Also worth noting, um, it's a great place to slip into if you can get a spot at the bar or the bar counter and you want like a quick lunch, that salad is perfect. But with that being said, there is a price that comes with it. Full disclosure, before the, before the AP discount, um, for us to have the three appetizers and two glasses of wine, and not two glasses each, I'm talking we each had one glass, two glasses total, three appetizers, two glasses of wine was $99. When you think about three meatballs, a plate of calamari and a chicken Caesar salad with two glasses of wine for $99, it is a lot. Not Versus for, like what we paid at Steakhouse 71 yes. for three people to have breakfast. To have full meals with the bottomless mimosa. You had a cocktail. Here's the thing. They do, they post the menu online. It's on my Disney experience. It's on the website. So you know going in what you're going to pay. So, it, so you do go in buyer beware, but we had been wanting to try it. Would I eat there again? Absolutely. Are there places I would eat before I went back there? 
Absolutely. But I would add it into the rotation. If I did want just a nice crisp salad for lunch, and I was here at Disney Springs, and I wanted to just pay extra for the air conditioning to get out of the blazing heat, I would do it. There are other places I would go. I mean, I would go to uh, Il Molino. For Italian food, I'd go to Il Molino before I went back to Enzo's Hideaway. Yeah, much more moderately priced. However, this was a fairly easy reservation to get. I mean, we had a later one. We had a 745 reservation. But I think because it is promoted as a cocktail lounge, I mean, it says it right on the outside. Um, I feel like a lot of families are put off by that. You can go with kids. It's totally kid-friendly, you know, because it's not just a bar. You can get the table service, and they have booths and everything. It's fine for a a family with a couple of kids. Yeah. I think in a pinch, if I needed a reservation and I could get one there, I would do it. If I was walking around and I just wanted to sit at a bar for an hour and have a quick nosh, I would do it. But if I was coming for a week and I was planning my dining 60 days out or 30 days out, whatever it may be at this point in time, because I can't keep track anymore, would that... 60. Would that be the one place that I would make sure I got to? Probably not. Probably not. But I would go back again in a heartbeat. So... That's pretty much what we've been up to, but we have a lot of other current events to discuss. Starting with something that is making me saltier than this margarita. Disney Plus Day. All right, so Disney Plus Day is November 12th. That's that's what it is. (laughs) There are hats and pins that we went through great lengths to acquire that say as much. I mean... The universe went out of its way to make Disney Plus Day our anniversary. This Seriously. doesn't happen by accident. No, we we talked about it when we did our trip recap in November, uh, that we wanted the hats and the pins that say Disney Plus Day because it had our anniversary date on them. We saw them go up on eBay before we even saw them in the parks, and, you know, we, we had to track them down and, and spent, like... I'm doing this. Two days. Yeah. But we got them and we were very happy to have them. So they released the poster and the trailer for Pinocchio, which looks amazing, by the way. I know Jiminy Cricket looks a little janky. I know the CGI on Falfellow could be a lot better, but I'll be damned if Tom Hanks didn't say, I wish I may, I wish I might, and there were buckets of tears rolling from my eyes. Um, so I noticed it said Disney Plus Day and I was like oh man we gotta wait for November for this movie no apparently not we only have to wait till September because since D23 Expo is that weekend they're just gonna slide everything up to September 8th and now Disney Plus Day is on September 8th you, you can't just change it it's launch day yeah you can't decide that December 1st is Christmas because it's the start of December right Um, I mean, look, what this tells me is that we made the right decision in sitting out going to Anaheim this year for D23 Expo. As much as I want to go to Disneyland and and go back to Disneyland because we loved it there so much, as much as I want to see Avengers Campus, 
we opted to sit out this D23 Expo because we didn't think it was going to be worth the time and the money to go because they still haven't done most of the things they announced at the last D23 through no fault of anybody. It was a pandemic. Move on from it. We're not going to discuss that again. But what this tells me is that them sliding Disney Plus Day into D23 Expo was because they knew they had an empty slate. I think most of the public knew they had an empty slate, and that's why D23 tickets didn't sell quite as well as they usually do. And I think they slid Disney Plus Day up because they had to fill time in panels. I actually disagree. Um, I'm wondering if they if they slid it up because there's just something so big that they're going to announce. I'm, I'm more panicked by this than anything else. Um, what I will say, though, is... I, I mean, you're right. We do have to move past the pandemic at some point. But what I want to know is what, if anything, are we still getting from the last expo? Like, is Mary Poppins still a thing? I understand you don't have the budget for it, but, like, are we going to get it ever? You know, like, they've addressed Splash Mountain. Um, we had seen the concept art for that, and then the pandemic happened, so they never broke ground on it, and we wondered if, if we're still going to get it, and now they're saying it's going to be 2024, which made sense because... They were never going to do it, budget aside, they were never going to do an opening day attraction during the 50th anniversary and make that not right. available to people who are coming here to celebrate the 50th. So, okay, fine. But what I want to know is what is a pivot? What are we still getting since we saw the new concept art for Epcot? And, and is there still anything that you did promise us that you can follow through on? Right. I mean, like we, the Walt statue. Show me the Walt statue. Right. Like, we know that we're getting the Communicore Plaza and all that. So, I, I will just sit here and I will be cautiously optimistic. I will be cautiously optimistic. Um, all right. Let's move on to another talk topic. Uh, something that it kind of started as a joke and then it turned into a meme. But we've actually had, well, actually, the last time we did a Dockside chat. We had dinner at Il Molino with our friends, and we were talking about Doctor Strange. Right. And they had said that they had not seen Doctor Strange because it's kind of exhausting keeping up with the Marvel slate. So now there's that meme floating around the internet, something to the effect of it's the year 2054, and a new Marvel movie is coming out. Am I going to dedicate, you know, how many weeks of my life to catch up on all the source materials so that I understand what's going on. Um, and this is something we have brought up on the show before is, you know, where do you draw the line with these independent properties? And, I mean, I am a firm believer in a film should stand on its own, beginning, middle, and end. You should be able to just go and watch it for what it is without having to know the source material. But Marvel, really more than anything else has broken the mold on that. They keep making these movies where you do need to see the prequels or, or just, you know, the predecessor to understand what the heck is going on. And they're just going to keep cranking them out like this. And there's just more and more, especially with Disney+, Plus. there's more and more content. Yeah, um, and here's the thing with Marvel specifically. Um, it used to be with most superhero films and even Marvel for a time, you could see an origin story 
and then a couple of years later, somebody else's origin story. And let's say that you were somebody that saw Captain America, but you didn't see Iron Man. You were not lost. Mm-hmm. There is something to be said now for you, you, you really do have to be up to date with all of the Marvel stuff or else you're lost. And that wasn't so much a problem. When they set up the first Avengers film, they took years building up to that. Let's just take last month, this month, and next month, for example. Doctor Strange, Miss Marvel, Thor. You are cranking out a lot of content in a very small window. And you are getting to a point where if you miss one of those things, you can't really understand what's happening in the next thing. Right, because even though we are in Phase 4, Thor is going to be considered part of Phase 4, but, like, are you really not going to see the three prequels? No. Guardians are also in Thor, so you kind of have to watch Guardians. I mean, there is something to be said for, you know, if, if you have uh, maybe a preteen or a teenager now that's starting to get into this... I would love to say you could just start fresh with Phase 4, but even take aside that the Guardians and Thor are spilling over into it now. Um, even something as simple as they keep referencing the snapping. You kind of have to watch Avengers to know what's going on there. And at this point, that's, and that's the other thing, right? Because like, we're so up to date with Marvel because we see everything. Like, we're kind of like, all right, enough of this snapping. But there are a lot of people that have no idea what that is. So is it becoming too much? I kind of think so, because we'll, we'll talk about... Um, I haven't brought up Batman in a while. <laughs> but in the Burton Batman films, which then became the Schumacher Batman films, if you saw Batman Returns without seeing the first Batman with Michael Keaton, you weren't lost. You could watch it for what it was. It had a clear beginning, middle, and end. And it didn't really tie in much with the first other than Michael Keaton was Batman. And Batman and Robin, for as bad as it is, other than Robin being introduced to the storyline, if you didn't see Batman Forever, it was fine. And if you saw Batman Forever and you didn't see Batman Returns, it was fine. You never got lost. So... On the one hand, I like where they're weaving things in and out, but I, I personally feel like if this is what you want to do, I think you have to keep it to film. I should not have to sit through 10 episodes of a limited series that I might not have a ton of interest in so that I can understand what's happening when I pay 15 bucks to go see the latest film in the movie theater. And that's where, I mean, admittedly, I am more of a Marvel fan, but I think that's where Star Wars is actually doing a better job of this. Because you can watch the original trilogy and the latest Last Jedi trilogy and completely forget about Phantom Menace and any of the other um, Natalie Portman and um, Hayden Christensen Christensen ones. Because they're referenced, but you don't need to see them play out. And same thing with Kenobi. As much as I am enjoying that series, you don't need Kenobi, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett to know what's going on in the movies. So I think that they're doing a better job of separating their content. Because 
that's really just what it is, right? Like, there was an article released recently. I have to find it. It was either, like, The Hollywood Reporter or Deadline or something. And it was so brazen as to say that this is not cinema. It is just content. And admittedly, I didn't read it because I knew it was just going to piss me off. To insult the people who work so hard to bring us these films, like, no, no. That is, get off your high horse and enjoy the movies for what they are. So I think that's the point of what I'm trying to make here, is that if you are a fan of something, then just be a fan of it. Enjoy it. Watch it. If you remember it, great. That's kind of how I am. I can't remember every single little minutia detail that's ever happened in Marvel, but I still enjoy the films. And then if I see something that I know harkens back to something else, then I'll go watch them. Or if I know a big movie is coming out, I'll try and watch everything associated with that film. Like for Doctor Strange, we did the, the first one. We did a rewatch of WandaVision. Could we have done a rewatch of Infinity War and Endgame to give us a little bit more context? Yeah, probably. Did we have time? No. Did it ruin it? No. So that that's really the point. It's just be a fan of something. And to the point you made earlier, not that it ruined it, but we would have understood a little bit more of what was happening in Doctor Strange if we had watched What If, which admittedly we haven't watched yet. But I don't have to watch The Bad Batch or The Clone Wars to understand a single thing that's happening in Lucasfilm right, right now. Right. All right. Um, let's talk about another thing that's gotten some controversy. And you have a lot of people on both sides of the fence here when it comes to Disney and their uh, handling of this situation, more specifically Disneyland Paris. Everybody has seen at this point the video, it went viral, it was on TikTok, of the wedding proposal at Disneyland Paris and the cast member that came in and literally snatched the ring out of the guy's hand to stop the proposal from happening because they were, the, the guy and, and, and his girlfriend, now fiance, were in a restricted area. They were up on a stage where there is a performance that usually happens. Um, and there were a lot of people that are on both sides of the fence as to whether the cast member handled it the right way or not, whether Disney should have issued an apology or not. They did. Um, I'm interested in getting how you are viewing this whole situation. Well, first of all, I'm just happy that I can send you TikToks now and you will actually watch them <laughs> because you've chosen to become more engaged on TikTok. Um, it's all about bibbidi-bobbidi-beard for me. Which is why I'm getting a lounge fly tonight. By the way, I decided that. Oh, good. Okay. He's fantastic. Um, I, you know, I still go back and forth. Uh, my initial reaction was, wow, cast member, this is a huge moment in their life. Can't you at least let him get the question out before you? It's, that's the other thing. He, he literally shoved them off the stage. It wasn't like, a, hey, can you please move? He, he physically had to move them. Now, if this is an issue of safety, which I believe it was because they were about to do the, the castle show and there are pyrotechnics involved, um, then you have to move quickly. And then he was a thousand percent in the right. And nine times out of ten, I'm going to side with the cast member of you're in the wrong place. It's a restricted area. You should not be going in there. And you should know better. So you get what you get. But for such a big moment in your life and now you have to put it on pause. And if you have somebody filming this for you, 
this is what you remember. I mean, this is the risk you run, right? Of not of being where you're not supposed to be. Here's how I view it. Um, is it a monumental moment in their life? Yes. Was it ruined? Perhaps. Of course, now they're famous for a viral video. Now maybe they don't care about that. Probably. But you know Disney is making good on this. My stance on this is Disney needs to just stop apologizing in general. They don't need to apologize for having a restricted area that guests are not supposed to be on because there are live pyrotechnics on it. Disney does not need to apologize for keeping people's safety in mind. They didn't apologize when they made people wear masks during the pandemic. They didn't apologize for plexiglass. They didn't apologize. They're still not apologizing for a reservation system that's really just there to monitor and control their overhead when it comes to their staffing. So why are you going to apologize because you kept somebody safe from a pyrotechnic show that has had a fire before? A couple of months ago, there was a fire that was stomped out by guests, not even by Disney cast members. So... I don't think that Disney owed them apology. Um, they could do it privately, comp them a trip, comp them their honeymoon. It's what. The, listen, if you trip and fall in Disney, you don't go to a hospital, right? Like Disney, <laughs> Disney makes good on it. Disney has that magic money to make everything go away. You could have just as easily done that there. But this goes to, back to a conversation we've had a couple of times. Disney reacts very quickly. They go from zero to 60 in an instant. And I think that for a cast member who my understanding has been with the company for a long time, uh, from my understanding has a very good standing in the company, from my understanding has a great and loving reputation with the guests and the annual pass holders in Disneyland Paris, I think to paint him in such a way where he did anything wrong when all he did was execute your operation and execute your orders to him is wrong. Yeah, because think of the alternative. What if he had let them finish the proposal and they got hurt and those fireworks went off? What if something had actually happened? I mean, there is something to be said for doing your job. I mean, could he have handled it a little bit more gently? Possibly, but like, he's the only one who knows how he had to react in that situation. Like, I also, we, we have no context as far as the timing, how close it was to showtime, and, and if the show was about to go off. There's speculation that the show was about to start. He might have had seconds to react, and if that's the case, well, then, yeah, get off the stage. And, and there, I mean, again, it's all speculation, but their excuse of, well, we were told it was okay to be here, I doubt it. I doubt it was okay for you to be there. No. That you're lying to yourself. All right. Let's talk about the last topic that we have here because it's something that happened very recently. Uh, this is a lot rolled into one here. Um, I saw earlier this week, um, you know, it's obviously no secret I'm a magical vacation planner. I, I book Disney vacations. And we have a couple of Facebook groups just for shop talk, um, you know, to help each other out if, if we have like a query or, you know, it, it's really helpful to bounce ideas off of each other. So I saw someone post and she is one of the top sellers. She has been doing this for a very long time. Most of her posts are 
seeking res uh, recommendations for larger groups of people, people that are staying at the Grand Floridian and Polly. She's doing very well for herself. Good for her. So she posted that she noticed a lot of her sales are becoming tickets only, and she has found that she is losing a lot of her reservations to Airbnb uh, or to staying off property. Airbnb is not a surprise. I do think that that is a trickle-down effect of the pandemic. People may feel safer in a home than they would in a hotel with a lot of other people. Okay, fine, I'll give you that one. Uh, Off-property, that was kind of a surprise and something that was very concerning to me. Um, and, and clearly, this is the trickle-down effect of not the pandemic, of Chapek. And then, homie came out swinging with a couple of other moves this week where th this is all just, it, it, it's going from bad to worse. Uh, yeah, well, uh, yes and no. Again, this is speculation, and we don't love to speculate on the show, but let's call it what it is. Disney stock right now is in the tank. I know because I sold my Disney stock at a high, and I'm glad that I did. That's facts. That's numbers. That is not speculating anything. When you... Now... Speaking of doing what you're not supposed to, look at those people walking across the table at Sunshine Churros. Yeah, I've never seen anybody walk across a table before, and yet there they are. Oh, by the water. By the People watching at Disney Springs is phenomenal. Um, here's the thing. When, when Chapek fires the runner-up for his job... After articles come out talking about how the Galactic Star Cruiser, despite its initial success, despite its initial reviews, has sort of proven to be a flop, despite the fact that for a multitude of reasons, which we will not get into, mind you, uh, Disney has not had the best PR recently, uh, given the fact that guest surveys are at an all-time low, um, given the fact that people are starting to stay off of property, um, it's sort of interesting that you you ditch your second-in-command, you have a Disney spokesperson come out and give them the vote of confidence. If, you're a, if you are a fan of professional sports, the worst thing that you could hear about a general manager or a, or a, or a coach is a vote of confidence during a slump because you know that they're getting fired within two weeks. Now, Chapek's not going anywhere as far as I know, but um, I find it very interesting. Now, he promoted somebody else um, who apparently she's earned the job and good for her. But, but the excuse for him firing, I think it was like his head of programming for television, was that they're quote-unquote not a team player, which means they don't like you. Um, so in regards to how this ties into the guest surveys, the guest experience, the lack of APs, the shutdown of the sales of the Magic Keys over in Disneyland in Anaheim. Uh, to me, it's, it's all a part of a bigger picture. Um, and I think it does tie back to Disney Plus Day being moved up. I think you moved it up because you don't have enough to announce at the D23 Expo. I, I think that this is just a lot of like trying to like shove it under the rug and make it go away. Um, and I think, it, to your point, when it comes to people staying off property, you don't have Magical Express anymore. Mears has done the best that they can, though not without many, many warts getting people to and from the airport. 
And when we moved down here, we went and scoped out some of the Universal Studios uh, hotels. And for the price of a value resort, you can stay at what their equivalent is of a moderate resort. Those resorts are excellent. They have friendship boats that run to and from the theme parks. And their prices are significantly cheaper just for a park pass. I, you know, at least from an AP standpoint. Um, and you don't have to be a Florida resident to have an AP there. You can have basically any category that you want. I think Universal, they've opened a lot of attractions. They've priced it the right way. I think they're luring a lot of people away because if you're going to have to pay for a Mirrors bus anyway, and it's not all that reliable, at that point, most people would just rent a car and drive themselves. Um, and I'm wondering how... with. Airbnb is one thing, but the quote-unquote off-site, I wonder how much of that is people going to Universal Studios. Right, and off-property, that that doesn't even mean good neighbor hotels. Those are considered on-property. This, this is, you're, you're not staying in Lake Buena Vista. So, it's, it's kind of um, interesting timing all around. We'll see where it leads. Do I think think he's going anywhere anytime soon maybe not oh no I think that he was I mean you you fired the person that was supposed to be your successor like way to take the high road so I that was worth bringing up tonight um, because that just happened I think the day before yesterday and it's got a lot of people talking but we wanted to talk about it And that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monorail Radio. Thank you for joining us for our third Dockside Chat. I'm having a lot of fun with these. I'm really enjoying the opportunity to sit here and talk about things that we're doing on Disney property. I'm I'm enjoying talking about things that we're doing in the parks, things that we're doing as Floridians. And I'm excited to sit here and talk about things that are Disney news related, but not necessarily monorail related. And we can kind of go off book a little bit here and have these conversations. Yes. And we hope you're enjoying them. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at monorail radio, or you can email us monorailradio at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on verbal or your podcast platform of choice. We gave you the social media. We are on TikTok as well at monorail radio. And for links to everything related to the show, it is online at monorailradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. Audio Jungle.